Oh, this is my cousin, Drolag Allbreaker. Uh, he'll be coming along with us for the trip. Well, we'll be traveling to the, the Wandering Mountain, which is actually my hometown. It's a dwarven fortress. We've organized to have some ponies for Drolag and myself and a horse for you. I wasn't sure who else would be coming with us, but I think they can probably ride in the cart. Professor Kegstone and Drolug Orebreaker pull the cart and continue to discuss. Um, now, do any of you speak Dwarvish? Can I cast Comprehend Languages? Drolug is saying is that he thinks it's a bad time of year to be traveling. He's heard rumors that there are bandits on the road. He's basically doing everything he can to try and persuade Zinlaz not to go on this trip. But Zinlaz isn't hearing any of it. Uh, you are almost struck by a goblin falling out of a tree, knocking them out. Grab the, the necklaces around my neck and point back to where I know Harold is. And just with one, just one word, just say goblin. almost struck by a goblin falling out of a tree who lands in a heap in front of you knocking them out can I point like grab the the necklace that's around my neck and point back to where I know Harold is Mm -hmm. and just with one just one word just say goblin Harold you get one word in your ear okay how um how large is the road and the the forest opening so the road is uh, 15 feet wide, mm. wide enough for this 10-foot cart to travel along and wide enough that you could get two carts kind of off the road to pass each other. Yep. Uh, and the forest is 100 feet, kind of 50 feet in either side of the, the road. Okay. Um, having heard that, I'll say out loud, um, Zinlars, be careful. There are goblins in the forest nearby. Uh, he will pull um, an axe off his hip. We'll deal with him if we have to. Okay. Uh, he rolls not great on his insight. Quick, Harold! That child needs our needs rescuing. All right. Well, given my wisdom, um, Zinlas, is it possible that it is actually not a child and in fact a goblin? Uh, roll me a persuasion. Oh my God! What is happening? Six. <laughs> By the way, Meredith has, um, like, put her instrument down, her viol down, and has, like, picked up her crossbow and is just standing up on the back of the cart, keeping her watchful eye out. She's ready. I'm going to get down from the cart. Okay. um, And sort of position myself between the the sort of the horse and the cart, just sort of keeping an eye out. Potentia, what are you doing? A unconscious goblin is laying at your feet, and... You can hear shuffling in the trees above you. Okay. Um, can I look up? 
please? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm currently using your passive perception. If you would like to use a perception check, you can attempt to beat a stealth check. Yeah. I mean, she's now actively looking, so... Yeah, so give me a perception. Come on, lucky new dice. Come on. 19. 16 plus 3. Okay. In the trees above you, there are three goblins who have uh, bows with arrows knocked. Which direction are those arrows pointing? Uh, currently, they are pointing towards the road, but they're, but they're like, they aren't drawn, they're just kind of knocked. Okay. They look to be waiting for something. Would I see them? Uh, I'm giving them a, a bit of a bonus because they're kind of further into the trees, but your, your passive isn't quite high enough. Yeah, but I mean, I would be looking around at this point, like, actively. Um, okay, let me roll disadvantage on their stealth checks against you. Okay, so their stealth comes to an 18. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see that there are some goblins in the trees around. Yeah. Uh, in, in total, you'll be able to see that there are six goblins. Three on the left, three yep. on the right. And the three on the left are the ones are above me, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are they, are they, are they fairly close together, or are they spread far apart? The ones uh, above Potentia are like in the same tree; they're close right. together, and the ones on the right-hand side are about ten feet apart from each other. Okay. Well, given that they haven't revealed each other, I'm going to cast Fairy Fire on the three in the tree. Okay. Which side? Your side. So they have to be a 14. I think it's time for initiatives. Yeah. Yeah. 17 from me. Nine. Three. Three? Yeah. Is it a, four, a 14, was it, Ross? Yeah, dex save a 14. They all fail. Great. They all have a cloud of purplish starlight um, surrounding them, and we have advantage on any attacks we make against them. You know what sucks? Meredith can't see them right now. Nope, she cannot. Nope. <laughs> uh, the ones that are lit up with fairy fire, I think yeah. you can see. They shed. Mm-hmm. They they are very visible right now. Yeah. Okay. Which means that they also can see themselves being lit mm-hmm. up with purple stuff. Oh yeah, they they know that they are um, well and truly made. But they don't mind there. No, they haven't spotted you. Even though one of their own just fell out of a tree. They weren't paying attention to that. Um, Alright, so... First up is... The crying child... uh, Spins around, standing up... Ripping off their their cloak, revealing... They are a goblin! (gasps) What? Team of eight. Shocking. Mm -hmm. They are currently 30 feet ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And they are going to... Move 30 feet towards your group. And... Given that directly in front of this goblin are Zinlaz, Drolog, and the two ponies, he is going to fire a blowgun dart at Zinlaz. And he hits Zinlaz and does eight points of damage. Uh, Zinlaz is not looking good. Uh oh. Um, next up is one of the goblins above Potentia is going to fire an arrow at Harold. Does an 18 hit Harold? Yep. Uh, it does six points of damage. Then we have Meredith. Um, I am going to um, cast 
a healing word at Zinlaz. Okay. Um, so that's a first. I'm going to go first level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 1d4 plus 3. So do I have to roll to hit for that one? I can't nope, you just automatically succeed on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to also... I've got my crossbow. I can't use that as an action with healing word, though, can I? Or is that a healing word a bonus action? I can't remember. Healing word's a bonus. Yeah, healing um, word's a bonus for you. Okay, so I'm going to grab my crossbow and fire at one of the... Um, I might fire at the crying child goblin. Okay. Well, if you fired at any of the goblins in the trees that Harold has yeah. lit up, you have advantage. Yeah. Oh, do I? Okay. And the goblin in front has had its turn. There are two goblins in the trees who have not fired their arrows yet. Mm, that is also very true. Okay, um, let's go for one of the ones in the trees. All right. So a broader hit with advantage because of fairy mm-hmm. fire. So two? Yep. And the highest one? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, that's a natural 20! Nice. Ooh, All right. beep, 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 beep. Well, what does that, that mean? <laughs> natural 20 is you roll double damage. Oh, yeah. Okay, so for my crossbow, that is 1d6 plus 3. So it's going to be... So I get two, to roll that twice? Yes. two d <gasps> it, It's 2d6 plus 3. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I got 5 plus 3. So 8 points of damage. In total? With that crossbow bolt. Yeah, in total. Okay. Um, I rolled a 3 and a 2 because I'm great at rolling dice. Mm. You are great at rolling dice. You are great That's at rolling dice. dice. Thanks, being very nice. Yeah. Um, nice dice. That goblin takes the crossbow bolt uh, through his shoulder, does not fail him, but mm-hmm. does not look good. Not feeling great. Not feeling great. Cool. Um, and I'm going to chuck um, healing word at Zinlaz. Roll your healing. Uh, three plus three, six. All right. He's only taken two damage then. He's looking much better. Great. Can I ask a question about Harold's fairy fire? How big an area does that cover? 20 feet. So not both sides of the road then? No. That's why I asked earlier. Not both yeah. sides of the road and not enough to hit that's you, Kate. Fine. That's why I needed to know where they were before I... Yeah, that's fine. That's what I was trying to work out. Okay. Uh, one of the goblins on the right is going to fire its bow at Meredith. Ah, boo. Uh, does a dirty 20 hit you? I'm guessing it does. Yeah. All right. So the short bow does six points of damage. Um, just in case it's pertinent, Ben, I imagine I have at least partial cover from the right-hand side due to the cart. Yep. It is Potentia's turn. There are three above me, right? There are three goblins above you. Great. One of them has been has been hit by, by Meredith, but not the other two? Correct. And how far apart are they? They are all within the same tree. They're all within 10 feet of each other. They are, like, grouped up together. They are standing next to each other, effectively. Okay. So what I want to do is hit the middle one, which is I, ideally, I hope, not not the one that Meredith hit, but it is the not. middle one. Yep. Um, I'm going to cast Ice Knife. Okay. Uh, which I think I have advantage on, on account of Fairy Fire. Mm-hmm. You do. Right? Yep. Okay. So, uh, well, I will ignore that nat one, and I'll take that 18 plus 5, so 23. Hits. Okay, so that one takes 1d10. And then there's more. Okay. Then there's Ooh. more. So that one takes 1d10. Damage machine. Uh, so it takes eight. And okay. then the shard of ice explodes. Okay. So 
the target and every creature within five feet of it, which I assume is the other two as well. Yes. As they have to succeed on a dex saving throw or they take some additional right. damage. What's the saving throw? Uh, the saving throw is 13. Uh, okay, so the first one succeeds and the second two fail. Okay, so the second two also take an additional 2d6. Oh, boy. Uh, so they... <laughs> I just rolled double sixes. Okay. <laughs> so they also take an additional 12 cold damage. Okay. So the goblin that you hit <laughs> with the, the exploding yeah. ice dagger, it stabs into them, it explodes, mm-hmm. killing that goblin, mm-hmm. and doing so much damage to the one standing next to him, it also kills that goblin. But somehow the one who took the crossbow bolt earlier avoided Doesn't the damage. Okay. He's now aware of you as well. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I want to move 30 feet, but I want to move. So they're up the tree that's above me. I mm-hmm. kind of want to go like around. So I am effectively in full cover of the tree, like next over. Okay. So that I can see a, like across. I want to kind of basically be able to see the cart and whatever else is going on, which I can't really from where I am. All right. Yeah, that's fine. You can do that. Yes, please. Uh, And I have no bonus actions to do, so that's that's fine. Okay. The the goblin who has a crossbow bolt in his shoulder is going to attempt to shoot at Potentia. Misses it. The bolt, his arrow hits the tree next to you. Uh, Then we have Drolug, who is going to pull a knife off his belt and throw it at the the goblin in front and he crits Ooh, damn yes crit 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 two crit. crits in a row on that uh yeah. doing seven points of damage on that goblin then it is zinlaz who with his axe is going to strike down at this goblin missing one of the goblins in the trees is going to fire at meredith does a 14 hit you meredith i have an armor class of 14 yes. It does. Meet to beat. Okay, cool. Meet to beat. Right. Uh, So the arrow does, ooh, six points of damage. Ow. Harold. So what do I see to my right? There are three goblins up in the trees. Yeah. There's a goblin still kind of in front of the the cart. Yeah, there's one to my left still, right? Yeah, there's still one up in the trees, which is current fairy fire. Okay. Um, The ones to my right, are any of them clustered together or are they all pretty well spaced? They're all pretty well spaced. Give me a perception check, please. Yeah, sure. 14. One of these goblins isn't carrying bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. It is carrying uh, some kind of staff and is wearing like a skull on a, on its head with like a headdress. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Make, like, making it distinct from the other goblins, which are just kind of in leather, leather armor and cloaks. Okay. Um, I'm going to cast Moonbeam on that one. Okay. Uh, so it takes immediately 10 points of uh, radiant damage if it uh, doesn't pass a con save of 14. It rolls an 8. Takes takes the full 10. Okay. And it will take another 2d10 at the top of its turn. Uh, is it able to move away or is it always taking that? It Well, it will start its turn in there because it will. Yeah, it's true. It, it, can, it can move after that. It can move after that. It's about to take its turn. So it starts yeah. to turn in there. How wide is Moonbeam? Uh, it's only five foot. It... Just a pillar of light from the sky. Well, I would have Moonbeamed the tree that you were near, but you obliterated them all, so... Um, so at the start of its turn, 
Uh, that'll be a 12, unless it beats its con save. I think it gets a con save every time. Yes, so it gets another con save, um, and it's half damage if they fail. Okay, so 16 on its con save. Yeah, so they get six points of radiant damage. Uh, that is going to kill that goblin. Mm. All right, so no spellcaster. <laughs> Ben's like, dang it. <laughs> um, with his death, there is a, a ripple. All the trees shiver, and the leaves start to to flitter, like to flitter out of them. All right. So then we are back to the top with the goblin in front of Professor Kegstone. But you've just moonbeamed their shaman. Mm. But he has just taken a, a knife to the chest, so he's he's fighting still. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to fire his blowgun at Drolug, which hits. And it does four points of damage. Drolog makes a constitution save, which he fails. And it looks as though, from where you are, Harold, that something kind of like seeps from that dart into Drolog. Meredith, Mm -hmm. there is one goblin up in the trees to your left. There is one goblin in front of the cart. There are two goblins in the trees on your right. All right. So Meredith is going to make a run for um, Drolog um, and she's going to touch him and cast Lesser Restoration. Okay. um, And that's going to heal the poison. Um, And then she's going to hide with Drolog kind of and take cover near the horse. All right. Um, She's also going to cast Bardic Inspiration on Potentia. Okay. Cool. Uh, We have the goblin in the trees to the right. He just had his shaman obliterated next to him. Uh, so he is going to attempt a stealth check, which is a 19 for him. Pretty good. Uh, so Harold can still see him, but Meredith can no longer see that goblin. Mm-hmm. Harold will see that that goblin makes a leap into the adjacent tree, rolls a one on that <laughs> leap. Uh-oh. <laughs> so this is one of the goblins to the right? Yep. Mm. So rolls maximum right. damage on the fall oh, and knocks no. itself out. <laughs> oh, no! That's two. Oh. That's two that have knocked themselves out by falling out of the tree. Two, two d6 of fall damage. <laughs> uh, Potentia, you're up. Yeah. Oh, the fairy fire would have I... faded, by the way. I just realised because moonbeam okay. is also concentration. Okay. Yeah. So with your moonbeam, the goblins not lit up anymore. Um, I'll take one of the torches that's in my pack, which is on my back, because mm-hmm. I've been riding a horse. Um, I'm going to take a torch yep. out of my bag, and I'm going to, like, duck out from behind the tree and chuck it at the the goblin that's in the tree near me with a view to trying to make it fall out of the tree. All right. Uh, roll a ranged attack with this improvised okay. weapon. So what do I add to that? Because uh, So it's a ranged attack. So it's your dexterity plus your... I don't think you're proficient in I'm throwing... I'm proficient in, in, like, daggers uh, and darts and and, sli- like, and slings and stuff. Nah. This is a, an improvised toss. This is not a weapon that's designed to be thrown. So what are you saying? So just your dexterity. So no proficiency. this plus my dex, okay. Uh, is a 12 plus... 12 plus 3. That yeah, 15. Hits. Cool. That hits. Um, 
As I say, I'm not trying to do damage to it. I'm trying to knock it out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make it make a dexterity okay. saving throw. Roll, roll a d4, and we'll add that to 10, and that'll okay. be the check. Uh, three. So, so 13 is the DC. It rolls a 13. It saves. It manages to uh, catch a branch after you bonk it okay. with this torch. Uh, can I then duck behind a different tree, basically? <laughs> like- okay. <laughs> All right. So you basically stepped out, thrown a torch, hit it in the head. Not enough to do damage, but enough to like yeah. stabilize it. And as it's temporarily distracted, you like yeah. step behind a different tree. Okay. Solid. Um, well, at least its attention's on me and not on <laughs> yeah. you guys right now. Yeah, that goblin's turn. Yeah, he doesn't want to fight anymore, but he has also seen a bunch of his goblin companions fall out of trees and knock <laughs> themselves out. Including his mate that's on the ground below his tree right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, from his belt, he's going to pull a, grapp- a very small grappling hook and attempt to hook a tree nearby, which he misses, uh, and then, in a very disheartened way, pulls the rope back up to himself. Oh. That's his whole turn. <laughs> oh, goblin buddy. <laughs> um, next, we have Droylug, who is not poisoned anymore. No, he's not. He, draw- he pulls out another knife from his belt and he throws it. Uh, this time, he misses because this goblin in front is looking directly at him and dodges it. Then we have Zenlaz, who is going to attack with his axe, trying to hit. He crits. Oh my god, this poor, this poor goblin. <laughs> I love That's that you're critting against now. your own like, <laughs> goblins right now. Oh, okay, he's going to bury this axe in this goblin's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's up on, he's up on a pony, yeah. so it's like the only way he can kind of strike down. And that's uh, yeah, that's a dead yeah. goblin. Yeah. That's a dead goblin. Um, so the other goblin in the other tree, on the right of the cart, has seen all this. Oh, and he's now a berserker. Okay. Uh, nice. He is going to attempt to leap out of this tree at the cart. So, I am going to make a strength-based jump. These are goblins, so they have a negative two on their, their jump. So, athletics check for this goblin. He rolls an eight. Not very good. I'm going to give him disadvantage on this attack. He is leaping out of this tree uh, towards Professor Kegstone with a... It's just it's just a piece of metal. It's a stake. Mm-hmm. And he's going to attempt to stake Professor Kegstone with disadvantage... That is a 12 to hit Professor Kegstone, which hits Professor Kegstone. No! Professor Kegstone is not an adventurer. He is not particularly armoured. But it's only going to do a d4. Okay, but still. Uh, that's five points of damage to Professor Kegstone. You healed him for you healed him for six before, so he's no worse off than he was after that first yes. attack. Yes. That's true. I know, but like, what? maybe if... Professor Kegstone does die. We can explore what happens in the academic world if your super if something happens to your supervisor. Anyway, continue. Uh, and the goblin is now. But I'm going to also roll <laughs> some fall damage for this goblin. Not enough to knock him out, but he does hit the ground. Harold. So there are two goblins left. 
One up and left on the trees, one on the right next to the cart who just leapt out of the trees. What about great? What about the one on the right that that Harold can still see because of his excellent perception? No, he fell out of the tree and died. Oh, that's yeah. right. All right. Um, <laughs> well, uh, what I will do then, um, about the still concentrating on on the moonbeam, I will shift the moonbeam so that it uh, it's a five foot uh, it's a five foot beam from the sky that you just kind of like carve across the ground towards him. Yeah, I'll I'll position it so that only the goblin and not the pony or Zinlaz is is in the beam. Okay. Does the and goblin get a save? Yeah, so a con save. Okay, it rolls a three. Yeah, so that'll be 13 points of radiant damage. All right, that's going to destroy that goblin. Just the beam moving across the ground just carves across him and then yeah. wipes him out. <laughs> Top of the order is Meredith. All right, so Meredith is There's going to... There's one goblin left who um, is attempting to flee. Yeah, she's going to call out to that goblin and go, All right. I think you guys have all had enough. I think it's time to tell us what on earth you were trying to do here. Come on, we won't hurt you. And she's going to roll, um, use persuasion. Okay. Roll a persuasion <laughs> check. Because I, I just want to figure out what on earth these goblins were after and see if we can get some information out. That's fair. That's a 20! So with 7, 27. Uh, he, so he's just finished, like, winding up the rope, attempting to, to get, go with, yeah. like for his next attempt to, to leave. So can Meredith just, like, be standing up going, you, here, now. <laughs> uh, and he's like just kind of looks back towards the, the road. We wanted all your money. We wanted all your stuff. Okay. Can I just step out from behind the tree that I'm behind? I assume we're basically out of combat. No, at technically point we are still in combat. Yeah. If Meredith would like to attack, she can attack. Nah, I think he's had enough. Time to let this one go, I, th- I reckon. Potentia. I'm going to step out from behind the tree and pulling up to my full height, knowing full well like that he could shoot at me, basically. I'm going to walk over instead over the presumably now dead corpse of his friend, unless he's been doing some real good death saves on the ground, um, and just pull up to my full height and be like, you better do what she says doesn't respond to you busy doing his own thing which in this case involves trying to hook that grappling hook onto a tree branch which he succeeds mm-hmm. now how many turns has it been since harold killed that shaman mm. this this tree is going uh, to make a fortitude safe <laughs> all right that goblin swings out of the tree like robin hood the tree branch holds and he goes running off into this now shrinking forest. Let him go, Potentia. It's not worth it. As the forest is wilting around you all. Hey, Ross here. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast on your app of choice. While you're at it, why not recommend the show to a friend? It really helps us spread the word about the show. If you want to learn more about the world of Dungeons and Doctorates or submit questions and messages, check out dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com. And now, back to the action. Can I go grab the um, crossbow bolts that have been fired? That were like the one that got fired down into the tree mm-hmm. from the tree, because I'm going to give it to Meredith. Oh, um, thank I you. also want to pick up my torch and check the pockets of knocked out gobbo. So, uh, I'm assuming you're going to check all of these goblins to see if any of them are actually alive anymore. Yeah. So, and check the pockets as well. 
the one who first fell out of the tree is just unconscious. He's not dead. Okay. Uh, but the one who Harold Moon beamed, those are both gone. I'm not saying dead. I'm saying gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obliterated. Uh, the one who took the axe to the head is dead. The one who took the ice knife to the chest is dead. The one next to him died also. There's only one goblin who's actually alive still that's with you guys. He's just unconscious on the ground. It was the first one who fell out of the tree is still actually alive. The yeah. one that's at my feet. Yeah. I'm looting his pockets, by the way. The pockets of the three dead ones around me. Yeah. Uh, would you like to loot all of them? Yes, please. Okay. So I'm going to roll to see if the shaman's gear survives because Harold boom, dropped a moonbeam. Well, the three that I'm losing are the ice knife ones and the one who's unconscious. Those will be okay. So those, uh, potentially, they have uh, 10 arrows each, mm-hmm. a crudely made short bow. Yep. They each have one of these metal stakes, which is basically just a light spear, some pretty poorly made leather armor. Yeah. One of them has what looks to be a couple days worth of rations of a creature you cannot identify. Yep. But whatever it is has many, many legs. Gross. Yeah. And the other one has a little, like, camouflage net, big enough to cover a goblin. Okay. Um, sorry, can I just clarify, that's three by ten lots of arrows and three short bows? Crude short bows? Yes. And three metal stakes, three lots of rudimentary leather armor, one pouch with... Oh, sorry, two pouches with... We'll, we'll just say that they're fried... They are fried spiders. Yeah. Ugh. Um... They are a delicacy in some parts of the world. And, um, yeah, don't recommend. Well, I'm sure if they're uh, seasoned one, properly, they would be. Yes, Still and one goblin-sized camo net. Yeah. Right, cool. Uh, and I get my torch back, and I've got that. I think there was only one crossbow bolt. These arrows, are they arrow? Because you said crossbow, but I don't know whether you meant arrow or not. Uh, they are short bow arrows. Okay, so arrows. does that mean there's ten altogether in, like... 30 altogether, including the one that I just pulled out of the tree? Yes. The goblin that is dead in front of the cart uh, will have a blowgun with 18 darts, uh, a little punch dagger as well, and they have a a little necklace made from the bones of small animals. Now, the the one that I have identified as a shaman has a dagger made of an antler horn, like a a deer's horn, and it has a quarterstaff, it also has a pouch full of now dead tiny mammals. Mm-hmm. Little shrews and mice and things. Cool, cool, cool. And a sack containing three bottles of goblin liquor. Cool, cool, cool. Can I ask a weird question, Ben? How mm-hmm. big are these goblins in comparison to Meredith? These goblins would be about the same size as Meredith. Perfect. And I'm going to throw it all on the cart to deal with, at a, like to properly look through slash... Sort the garbage. Would the dagger okay. be any better than mine? I've just got a simple dagger. It's just made out of an antlers. Okay. So after, as you say, so after I've like collected all of that stuff, mm. um, I'm going to head back to, I assume the horse is, the horse ended up tied up to the back of the cart, Harold? Uh, the horse wasn't spooked. Okay. So it would have just kind cool. of Despite the fact there were arrows flying everywhere. Good horse. Uh, I'm gonna. It's a well-trained road horse. It's seen. It's seen some yeah. stuff. Um, I'm gonna toss the um, the four lots of leather armor and the quarter staff 
and the camo net onto the back of the cart. And just mm-hmm. chuck it, because the rest of it's all pretty much small stuff, I think. Oh, and a couple of the short bows. I'll keep one, but mm. chuck chuck the rest in my back, in my bag, and jump up on the horse. More with a view to looking through it all later and going through it when we get an opportunity to do so. Uh, I'm guessing you or you didn't pick up the animal skull headdress off the dead goblin shaman. Not something you were particularly interested in. I took the little like bone necklace, but I didn't take the headdress thing. Okay, and you took the goblin alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as the trees around you wither and shrink back into the ground, you can see the wayward peak much clearer. I mean, you're only in the forest for a little bit, but due to where you were, uh, as the trees wither away, you get a nice view of it. Mm-hmm. And you are going to get to it before sunset. Cool. cool. And Harold will see off in the distance to the left a goblin scampering away as fast as his little legs can carry him. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, I would have dispelled Moonbeam just for... Not just sitting reasons. continuously <laughs> blasting into the ground. <laughs> it. I do have that picture of, like, the laser from space yeah. just blasting yeah. down and then carving across the ground. I just love the idea moves. of it, like, following us around for a while, like, just behind us as we ride. <laughs> You now have goblin alcohol. Three bottles of goblin booze. Yes, you do. That's one each. Yes, which I will be saving for later. I'm just not talking about at this Mm. point. Don't stress, Joe. I know. She's not. She's already shared donut. She's already shared donut. That's one each. She's already shared Mm -hmm. donut. What do you want from her? She's doing baby steps. Goblin alcohol. But the baby (laughs) steps, Joe. The baby steps. Mm. How good a goblin alcohol is, to be honest, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I am. I'm a bit skeptical. It's also tradable for goods and services. Uh, so, Professor Kegstone's going to look over the group um, as he removes a dart. Ah, uh, are you all okay? Fine. Yes, we'll be all right. I think. Are you okay? You uh, took a couple of uh, blows there. It looks like. Um, Meredith here was able to, to heal me with some magic, which was very helpful. I can't believe that child was a goblin, though. I mean, I did, I, I you know what, it, it could happen to anybody. Sometimes it's hard to see the wood for the trees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ross is so mad at me. What have you got there, Potentia? Where? Those, those bottles. What about them? Oh, I've just heard that uh, goblin liquor, uh, also called gobsgog, can be a potent drink. Uh, it, I believe that it's brewed from various species of mushrooms, and it has some kind of minor restorative qualities, if you can stomach it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't get it back out. It stays in my bag. And I'm okay. up on the horse at this point, so... Or at least that's the intention. Mm. You're on uh, the horse. Troilog is is clearing, cleaning the the knives that he's pulled out of the goblin's body. Yeah, so I think we should get a move on. Mm. We need to get to the the wayward peak as sun setting. Mm-hmm. I agree. Off we go. How long does it take us to get to the wayward peak? 
It'll take you a couple more hours. Okay. Because I was looking through my features and traits, and apparently I have a song of rest. So if you or any friendly creatures who can hear your performance regain hit points at the end of the short rest by spending one or more hit dice, each of those creatures regains an extra 1d6 hit points. So I can be playing so something on the way So if you want to take a short rest, yeah. Meredith can play a restorative song and we can to get increase your healing. Um, I'll do that, but I mean, while we're traveling, because I'm not actively doing anything, being on the card, mm-hmm. there's no need for us to stop or anything, so... I yeah. short rest while probably you can't because I am riding. Okay. I think Meredith needs the short rest because she yeah. took some Yes, some I arrows. do. So I need, when I take a short rest, hang on, please explain this to the newbie. When you take a short rest, you can roll as many hit dice as you would like up to yeah. your current level. So you are level four. So I can roll four hit dice. Yes. Okay. And you can roll them one at a time mm-hmm. and see what the health they give you back is before choosing to roll another one. I've got 15. So I just rolled... D8 plus one, so mm-hmm. that gives me four extra. Mm-hmm. And then I roll Song of Rest, which is one D6, D6. plus... So just one D6. Yep. Okay. So that's an extra five. Mm-hmm. This is Hit Dice with Joe. Depending on whether you want to or not, you could roll another one. I'm on 24 one. now. So I think I'm going to stay on 24 out of 27. Great. So that means you've okay. only used one Hit Dice plus and your Song of Rest. And then I can that one off. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm with it. I'm gotcha. Hit dice I'm are here. confusing. Yes, they are. If there's another fight, you can then take another short rest after that fight and then go, oh, I'm going to spend those other hit dice to get more And then at the long rest for the night's sleep, I get those two hit dice back. Yeah. Yes, you half. get half your hit dice back, and then you also get all your HP back with a long rest yes. as well. Awesome. Okay, yeah. cool. It's a little convoluted. <laughs> A little. It's a little convoluted, but it's also simpler than it used to be in older editions. Thanks goodness for that. Okay, I'm with I'm with you. I'm I'm there. I'm on the same page. Yeah. I get it now. Your your HP used to recover much (laughs) slower in a more like actually realistic kind of way. Alright. So as you make your way to the Wayward Peak, you can hear the distant sound of metalworking and industry mm-hmm. at at work and you enter into the wayward peak through a large metal gate portcullis on the western side of the peak it is cut into the stone and it's coated in what looks like a bronze material with a very large metal drawbridge that's like a bridge into the mountain from the ground and as you ride up into it the sound of the Dwarven Forge becomes louder as you are now entering into this mountain. It is a continuous low hum, whir, bang, crash in the distance kind of noise. The kind of sound that if you lived here, you would get used to it and it wouldn't bother you. But for those of you newly traveled to this area, it'll take some time to get used to and might find distracting. Mm-hmm. There is a place where the the horses and the ponies are stabled just inside the peak. Uh, it appears to be the same company, in fact, hmm. that the horses were originally rented from. So this is like an Uber for horses. It's like a, it's more like a higher, it's like a, a budget car rentals for horses. Yeah, go yeah. get the horses. Exactly. Professor Kegstone looks at you. Welcome to the Wayward Peak. Uh, I'm guessing this is your first time here. 
judging by the expressions you, you're, you're giving me. I noticed that one of you is a... A couple of you actually are, are flinching every time you hear that crash. Mm-hmm. That's normal. You'll get used to that. Mm-hmm. You sure? Uh, I grew up here, and uh, eventually you, you learn to miss it when you go away. Mm. Yeah. In fact, with some of these, you can almost set your, your watch by them. Okay. I assume we had, we had like, dismounting, etc. Um, mm-hmm. I do not look comfortable at all because we are underground. and I, uh, it's, Yeah, it's not... Meredith isn't happy mm. heaps either, I don't think. Uh, you are also in a a road that is carved into this mountain. Mm-hmm. There are lit lanterns the entire way through. Despite the fact you're inside a mountain, it's actually quite warmly lit. Mm. And it's actually, as you get deeper into this mountain, is warmer than you'd expect being under than you being underground. And once through this entranceway, which is actually very heavily fortified with multiple doors that you can see the sides of and uh, guard stations it kind of opens up and you know you find out that a lot of the inside of this mountain is hollow Mm. and you have gotten to the dwarven fort of the wayward peak there are these huge gangways and stairs and all kinds of shops and houses kind of suspended within this mountain on the inside and below you are innumerable gears and mechanisms like you're traveling across a canyon with just the the t- these bronze teeth of gears and cogs below you that some of them are slowly moving but most of them are still most of them are silent Somewhere in the distance, you can hear the forges hammering away, and there's a glow from a great furnace within the the center of the the mountain. Well, come on then. Time to meet the family. I think think my mother has prepared us a a stew for dinner. Sounds delightful. Will there be any of that uh, legendary dwarven brandy with it as well? There will, but since we're here... We're going to have to try some of the family ale. There's a reason we're called Kegstone. Ooh, that sounds delicious. I can't wait. Uh, So you travel through dragging this cart behind you, get into a mechanical elevator, which clicks and spins and climbs vertically up this shaft where you find yourself outside the kegstone home. Uh, A young boy, uh, a young dwarven boy, who is carving a piece of flint uh, into a very simple dagger, just like to a point, basically, sees you, drops the flint, and runs over to Professor Kegstone. Brother! And hugs him. Goes a kick, so it ruffles up his head. You're getting so big. Uh, everyone, this is my brother Rolfon. He's uh, just a wee lad. He's only thirty. <laughs> hey, Rolfon. I'm Meredith. It's really nice to meet you. You're a halfling. I sure am. And you're a dwarf. Hi. Yes. <laughs> we should be friends. Absolutely. 
I agree. And he looks up at all... Uh, how tall is Potentia again? Is it six feet? Mm-hmm. All six feet of Potentia. You're very tall. So I've been told. Mum's inside. He runs back towards the house. What's it like for Harold and Potentia in here? Like, is it... Are there, are there like, oh, yeah. are the ceilings high? <laughs> or is it just, like... Uh, so where you are currently is actually quite open. It's not too bad. Mm. But you're about to go into a dwarven home, which is a little shorter than you're used to. The ceiling's mm-hmm. going to be lower. Meredith just kind of turns and grins to them and says, welcome to my world, and then walks in. <laughs> uh, when you say lower, like the average uh, Australian home ceiling is 10 foot. Uh, this is just mm-hmm. a thing that I know. Let's, 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 say, let's drop that by three feet. Okay, so I can so so she can stand. It's just yeah, just watch out for light fittings and and, and door frames. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yes. Uh, Drawlog, would you mind putting the cart just uh, around back for me, please? I can do that. You'll wander off. Uh, come on, everyone, come inside and, and meet me, Ma and Pa. You enter into this dwarven home, which is it's a modest dwarven home. Which is to say that there's only half the things covered in precious metals and and gemstones, mm-hmm. but the the ceilings are seven feet high. There's light fittings to watch out for as you wander through the home, and you'll have to Harold and potentially will have to stoop as they go in. Yeah. Greeting you at the door is Zenlaz's mother, who introduces herself. What kept you? You've been wet. You've been expected here for hours. Sorry, mother. We got held up on the road a little bit. Well, stew's already done. Come on in. Uh, who are your, your companions here? Uh, this is my research student, uh, Harold Wentworth. Just wave. Uh, and his companions uh, who are helping me on my research, uh, Potentia and Meredith. Potentia just stand, like sort of like nods in her direction, but looks still really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, she, she looks you both over. Well, come inside. It's, it's a draft out there. You walk into this warm home. Uh, there you can smell this stew cooking over the fire uh, and sitting on a large plush chair uh, appears to be the, the father of this family. Uh, and he is currently flicking through a large metal bound book. And he, without looking, is that Zenlaz? Yes, father. Did you bring what I asked you? I did. Good. He keeps flicking through his book. Don't mind my father. He's a bit of a, well, he's a bit of a stock gear. <laughs> Go on, make yourself at home. And you'll like uh, pull out a chair that's in the table. Gesture for you all to, to have a seat. We all do. Well, as I it, do. Meredith as does. His, as his brother... Uh, runs into the room and shows Meredith a some kind of mechanical thing that he has. It <gasps> appears to be the guts of a clock. Oh my goodness, look at this! What is it? Tell me! I'm fixing a clock. <gasps> oh my goodness, that's really clever. What was broken? Nothing. But now I'm fixing it. Oh, did you break it? No. Oh, so you're making it better? I'm fixing it now. Cool. What are you fixing? The, the clock. Great. 
this this is good. His the mother walks into the room. Rolfon, put that back in your room. I don't want any more screws loose here on this table. <laughs> you better do as your mum says. Okay. He, he wanders off. Uh, so you've already met Rolfon, uh, but this is me ma, uh, mother Kegstone, and my father uh, is Brilfor Kegstone. Hello, nice to meet you both. Uh, I'm Zinla's uh, thesis student at the moment. Um, Omado will, will shake your hand with enthusiasm. Always good to meet a student of my son. Yes, he's quite uh, an inspiring figure, actually. Uh, and the father will close the book, put it back above the fireplace in a place of honour. Yes, well, always good to... I suppose meet one of Zenlaz's students and he takes a seat at the head of the table. Hello fans and friends, it's Ben, your friendly Dungeons and Doctorates DM here. Hope you're enjoying the episode. I'm here to remind you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at DNDoctorates and to use the hashtag DNDoctorates when you talk about the show got a personal message to be read out on the show. This one's going to be read out by Kate, so I will pass it over to her. Ligaria Orod would like to use this magnificent magical contraption to present Askinon with the best wishes for his birthday. May he enjoy his special day and stay happy and healthy for all the years to come. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first birthday message we've had on the show. Uh, I'm very pleased to see that people are using our our podcast to to send special messages to people in their lives. If you would like a message read out on the show by myself or one of the cast members, either as ourselves or as a character, you can find the form to fill out via our link tree in all our social media and on our website, dndoctorates.com. The next episode for the show is coming out next week, Thursday the 26th. I hope you are looking forward to that. We're going to be doing another episode of the Common Room coming up soon. So make sure you submit your questions to the Common Room via the Linktree link. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Okay. Uh, I'll attempt to find a seat as well and sit as in as... as least awkward way as I can. How many seats are around this table? Uh, there will be six seats around this table. So not enough seats for him. Not enough seats. But the three of you pull up a seat. Zenlaz takes a seat. Mada and Brilfor have seats. Rolfor comes in with a stool that he's pushing up next to the table. As Mada starts dishing out stew for all of you and pouring some of the famous kegstone ale. Drolug walks into the room. I finished putting the cart... Oh, I'll grab a seat. <laughs> and he wanders off to find a seat. I say Potentia's probably sat herself between Harold and Meredith, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling that Brilfor is... Staring daggers into you, Potentia. Mm -hmm. Potentia, was it? Yes. Whereabouts are you from? Uh, um, a long way from here. <clears throat> are you from the old world? 
No, not not necessarily. Not in recent times, at any rate. Are you one of them Imperium elves? What if I was? Then that would be that. Dad, that's enough. <laughs> Leave her be. I was just asking where she's from. And uh, Mada pushes a bowl of soup in front of him. Here you are, dear. And an ale. So, Brilfor, whereabouts do you work in here in the in the Wandering Peak? I'm a, a well-respected brewer of Dwarven <gasps> Ale. Fantastic. Um, we're going to get to sample some tonight? That's what's being poured for you right now. Oh, my goodness. Tell me all about it. I'm so excited. Roll my roll persuasion for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, because Meredith's trying to, like, deflect. <laughs> ah, critical. I got a 20. 27. All right. So he immediately starts talking to you about the intricacies of Dwarven Ale. And he tells you, the key to a good Dwarven Ale. Meredith is like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep. Is a good bit of stone that you leave inside the barrel. Stone. It gives it the flavor. Really? It's part of the keg stone family recipe. <gasps> That's fascinating. What does a stone do? Does it just impart flavor or does it? A good ale will dissolve some of that stone and... Put it into the... Mm. Put the minerals into the ale. Interesting. Every every good dwarves need some, some hearty minerals inside them. Mm. You need to make sure that when you come up against a hard, a hard person that you really need to get through, you need to make sure your guts are harder than theirs. Mm, absolutely. That seems legitimate. So, what sort of stone was in this one? Ah, uh, can't tell you that. Found the secret. Uh, I mean, that's fair. You've got to keep some things to yourself. So while that conversation is happening, Marda, who has distributed food to everyone, sits down. <sighs> so Harold, tell me about your research. Well, yes, I've been... Um, well, I've only just started, actually, you see, so I, I'm not too far in as of yet, but uh, I've sort of been fascinated with astronomy for a little while. As, of course, you know, uh, Kinlas here is. And he has this fascinating theory about the, these so-called wandering stars. And um, I'm just at the start of my journey into investigating why they don't, you know, have the same, you know, place in the sky that the other stars seem to have. Um, and I'm, I'm rather fascinated by it all, honestly. That sounds right up my Zinlias' alley. He always has his head out of the ground, looking around at things. Ever since he was a boy. Yes, well, it's done him rather well, I, I, I see, so... That's good. It's good to hear. Probably if um, Meredith and Real Four are still nattering away, um, mm-hmm. I would just look over at Potentia to see, obviously, this exchange has made her a little uncomfortable yeah she's like not you know um she's like looking down at the stew that she's been given and doing that thing where someone looks like they're eating but they're not but more in that like shut out the world just not Mm. here i just reach out my hand and just very lightly gently just briefly put my hand on her shoulder and just squeeze slightly and then go back to the conversation mm-hmm. with Zinlaz's mom. Uh, this is Zinlaz speaking. So, 
we're actually um, only going to be here for a couple hours while we have dinner, and then we'll be heading uh, up onto the peak to get some observations. Uh, I'm sure we'd all like to stay more in the, the warm comforts of this home, but we do have work to do, so eat up, and uh, we'll get a move on. Awesome. Well, yeah, I do that. Tensha probably eats some, but not much, like in the way that someone's been put off their food by whatever's been discussed at a table. Mm. Uh, so as you are eating, Droilog is going to move around the table so that he's up next to Brulfor. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, this riveting conversation about ale brewing. Uh, Brulfor, I wondered if I could talk to you a bit about the schematics that you have. I've told you before. No, you're not going to look at them family history you might be a family on my sister's side but no this is kegstone business you're an ore breaker but if if we could just understand the mechanisms better we could we could make repairs and then i said no and no mention of repairs around dinner guests and he stares daggers down at, Bro- at Drolog, who shrinks back into his chair. I'm trying to diffuse this a little. So tell me, um, how long has uh, this brewing business been in the family? It seems like a generational kind of thing. Definitely. We've been brewing for seven generations. That's an awfully long time for dwarves, isn't it? Well, average dwarven lifespan's about 350, 400 years maybe. So we've been doing it for a while. And have you always been here in this uh, w- wandering mountain? Yes, we've been here in this uh, in this fortress for uh, before that we emigrated from the north. In fact, and he'll he'll stand up and take this book from off the hearth and he plants it down. This here is my family book of grudges. <laughs> And he flicks through to one of the early pages. As you can see here, on Dwarven on the Dwarven year of the old father, 3074, my ancestor was killed by an elven prince of some repute in the old kingdom. And it was his son who decided to emigrate down here. So we've been here for uh what's that calendar you use? Nah, never mind. It's been a long time. Yes, it sounds like it's been thousands of years since all of that. I suppose a lot of things have happened and changed since then. Ah, not much changes here in the mountain. I'll just take a drink of my ale. It is actually very nice. Yeah, and I'll make a show of of, of enjoying it too. So after a polite amount of time, Zinlaz will say, Thank you, Ma, that was delicious. Uh, I think it's time we all get a move on. If you could all just wait for me in the uh, the foyer, I have some some business to discuss with my dad. I'm gonna take that opportunity to get out of the house, <laughs> <laughs> ducking under the doors and taking myself out the front, where the like the at least the roof, although I'm still underground, is higher. Meredith follows. I'll grab a top up of ale and then follow as well. Mm. Okay, as you're leaving Potentia, mm-hmm. Marda takes your hand mm-hmm. and like holds it so that you don't go fully and she pushes a 
it's like a hard pastry, like a like a muffin, like just into your hands. Brillfall's a bit tough on the outside, but he, he's a good man, and it's important to eat. And she'll wander and start help clearing the table. Oh, keep it in my hand and just wander outside. Harold has excellent passive perception, so you will catch part of this conversation as Zenlaz uh, is asking to see the schematics, mm-hmm. which you heard earlier but don't necessarily know about. Yeah. But you do not catch all of it before the door closes, and the three of you are standing outside by yourselves. This is rather interesting. I don't think I've ever been inside a mountain before. Mm. Yeah, I'm not heaps enjoying not being able to see the sky. A lot less than I thought I would, if I'm honest. That's Yes, I mean, it's rather sort of damp, I guess. But I, I'm rather yeah. fascinated, though. The engineering behind all of this is uh, astonishing, quite oh, frankly. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? I suppose when you have thousands of years to work away, it uh, all adds up over time. Yeah, got a distinct advantage there. I guess it depends on how you choose to spend your thousand years. They rather like their grudges, don't they? It's yes. very true. That's a long time to hold a grudge, I, I think. Um, you know, I can barely remember what happened two weeks ago, let alone, <laughs> you know, millennia past. Yeah. Well, that's why dwarves write them down. Ah. Yes. Some places don't change, unfortunately, whether the people in them do or not. You hear a short argument coming from the other side of the door. Someone speaking in dwarvish is arguing with someone else. You would recognize the voices as Zinlaz and Drolag. For whatever they're saying, Zinlaz gets the last word and he opens the door. Well, uh, it's all going to be stairs from here. Uh, We'll need to carry the the, uh, tools up. Um, Just going to be the four of us. 